let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon himself the form of a servant and was made in likeness of men. Being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue confess to the glory of God the Father. Amen, amen, amen. We're gonna pray. Father, we thank you so much that at the name of Jesus, all of my issues, all of my struggles, all of my hurts, habits, and hangups have to bow. Everything in heaven and everything in earth has to bow and everything under the earth. We thank you, Lord Jesus. You're our savior and you're our, the love of our life. And we just want to live for you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, amen. At Sand Springs, we make much of Jesus, amen. We can come and we can give pep talks and, and inspirational talks. And that'd be a nice little ditty, but I want to talk about Jesus. Amen. Amen. It's a, you know, interesting thing. Uh, when you, when you, we could talk about self-improvement and all that stuff and how you could become a better you. And uh, interesting about a trash compactor, when you compact that trash, what do you do? Just make more room for more trash. <laughs> so in this self-improvement talk stuff, uh, let me just tell you who can improve you, and that's Jesus. Amen. And so we're going to look to him today. I want you to turn with me to the book of Mark, chapter 8, and I have a confession to make. There was a point in my life in which I uh, was critical. And even from the pulpit, I would be critical of some of those big-name preachers out there and I would, I would find fault in their ministries and I would speak ill of them. And um, it's been a little while, but the, the, the shame is still here. I, I hate that I ever did that. Um, but I'm gonna tell you, the reason that was coming out of my mouth is because the Bible says out of the mouth, the heart, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so there was a, a, a critical spirit within me a critical spirit within me and the Lord just impressed upon me one day you don't know that man you don't know his ministry you take one little 30 minute snippet of his sermon and make a judgment call on what's going on in that church that, that struck me in my heart and then there's a passage in scripture in Romans chapter 14 and verse 4 and it says who are you to judge another man's servant that man is serving God the best way he knows how, the best I can tell. And it's not mine to judge. And so the Lord showed upon me, he was showing me, look what's inside of you. It's critical, it's negative, it's judgmental. All that's coming out of your mouth is actually what's on the inside. Last time I preached is two Sundays ago. We had an awesome time at the Kane Center with our fellow sister churches uh, last Sunday. The last time I preached, I preached on peace. And I thought that I was done uh, with that sermon, but God said, no, you're not done. See, last time we talked about it, peace in a passive sense. 
and that you have peace and you can lose your peace. And that, and the sermon title was keep your peace. And now today it's on an active sense, not in a passive sense of what you can maintain or lose, but, but that we are to be peacemakers. Amen. Now, let me just tell you that this sermon is going to be better if you participate. All right? So if you talk back to me, we're going to get along well. Peacemakers. Jesus says this in the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. Now, we recognize that he has already said that these in this Beatitudes, this list, they were the children of God. But what are people calling them? My question for you is, what are people calling you? What are people calling you? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the children of God. It did not say blessed are the troublemakers. <laughs> what are they being called? All kind of names, I can tell you for sure. <laughs> but if you turn with me to Mark chapter 8, I want to look at a passage of scripture and I'm going to give you a, a, an advanced warning. I'm very, very careful in how I handle the word of God very careful in how I handle it. I don't want to take too much leniency with the word of God. And so as we're looking at the passage of scripture today, we're going to, I'm going to take more leniency with this passage of scripture than I usually do. And that's why I'm telling you in advance, there is a, an original intent for this passage, but I also believe that there's a spiritual principle, a spiritual truth that God gave me using this passage that I'm going to preach on today. And, and so as we look at this passage, there's an original intent but I also believe there's a spiritual principle that we're going to try and draw out of it today. Mark chapter 8, verse 22. Jesus is going from village to village, healing people and, and touching lives in miraculous ways. And here he is in a village named Bethsaida. Verse 22. Then he came to Bethsaida and they brought a blind man to him and begged him to touch him. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. And when he had spit on his eyes and put his hands on him, he asked him if he saw anything. Eh, I don't know about you, but one word would be enough. <laughs> the spit I could do without, um, just, just the word. But, uh, but he spit on his eyes, touched it, put his hands on him, and asked him if he saw anything. Verse 24, and he looked up and he said, I see men like trees walking. I've never seen a tree walking, but this guy is not, what the point he's making is I hadn't got perfect healing yet. I see men, I see these upright figures and they're moving around. I see men as trees walking. Then he put his hands on his eyes again and made him look up and he was restored and saw everyone clearly. Then he sent him away to his house saying, neither go into the town nor tell anyone in the town. I need to point out, I have read this verse of scripture all of my life and not until about a month ago, I saw this in the scripture. Look with me in verse 23. So he took the blind man by the hand and led him out of the town. Jesus could not heal him in his current situation. Sometimes Jesus needs to take you out of your circle in order for you, him to fix your seeing. Sometimes he needs to take you out of the scene in order to fix your sight. And so in this situation, Jesus takes him away from those people. And he says, 
Now let me heal you. Now we're going to touch on this in just a second how uh, sometimes we make a complete doctrine out of this verse of scripture. It's the only one like it in which Jesus, uh, the, the first time that he laid hands on him, this man has only received a partial healing. And then he come back for another. I don't know that I'd be willing to make a whole doctrine or, or rearrange my theology to match one verse of scripture. But I do know that there's a spiritual principle that so parallels this verse of scripture. And when I'm talking about sight today, I want to, I want you to know that when I am in darkness, I see everything dark. I see, I, I can, I can be a fault finder. I can be critical and negative when I am not in, in at peace myself. Then, then there are things, I can just see stuff everywhere that is not what God intended for me to see. And we're going to come back to that in a second because Jesus directly relates a verse of scripture to that very thing. But in this passage of scripture, I want to talk about mindsets. Sometimes Jesus needs to take you away from those circles in order to fix how you see things. Sometimes he needs to, to remove you from that scene. But I also want you to know that mindsets are hard to break. They're hard to get past. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a belief that you grew up with. Maybe it's, it's something that, that it, it's just, man, you just are holding on to this. And it's a mindset. And, and, and maybe you came in here and even what we're doing here messed up with your mindset. You walked in here and we got lights, we got some fog, and that's just not right. That's just not the way we do church. That's just not right. That's not how I always grew up doing church. The way I grew up doing church must be right. That's your mindset. And sometimes you don't, you, you're going to need more than one touch to get it fixed. Sometimes a mindset is so embraced. Do you hear me when I say embraced? It's because that's, I'm wanting to hold on to it. Sometimes a mindset is so held on to that Jesus can touch you and allow you to see what the true light is like. And then you still say, but I just don't think that's right. I just don't, I just don't think it's right. And then he's got to touch you again. In this passage of scripture, you see this man had to be removed from the people around him. He even said, don't go back to them and tell them what I did for you. Now, I know that the original intent of this passage of scripture is most likely what we call the messianic secret and that Jesus would heal somebody and said, don't tell anybody this. You're like, why in the world would Jesus touch me, heal me and tell me not to share it? And the messianic secret is what we call it. And it's because he still had work to do before his crucifixion. And he didn't want the, uh, the word to get out too much and the officials come and take him and kill him before he finished what God had called him to do. And this is why we call it the Messianic Secret. So that is most likely the original intent in this don't go back to them. But it does not explain why he had to remove him from them, does it? It does not explain why he said, we need to get out of this town. We need to come out from that group of people who continues to sabotage your faith who continues to open up your eyes to unbelief rather than belief. We need to remove you from your, those people so that you can get your healing. Isn't that interesting? And then he said, now that you got your healing, don't go back to those people. Now, as I said, uh, as I was a, of a critical nature, and I would, I would speak against, you know, and it would just be a, a little slight remark in the middle of my sermon. I wouldn't make a whole sermon on one of these televangelists or anything. By the way, I grew up in the 80s. 
It's those that chuckled, grew up in the 80s. And we know what televangelists are. <laughs> anyway. Well, I, I, uh, and so we, we kind of grew up being critical of that big name preacher on the television set. And, 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 and so, but here's, the, here's where it really came from. I was hanging around those that were critical. I was hanging around the fault finders, the negative ones. And once Jesus opened my eyes, he did not say, now go fix them. Think about this. He did not say, now go get them straightened out because they don't see right. He, he, he said, don't go back there. When you come out of the critical, when, when you now have your peace, when you have now reestablished your peace, which is in Christ Jesus, don't you go back there and get with those religious ones. You see, Jesus never had any problem with the sinners. He had a problem with the religious mafia called the Pharisees and the Sadducees, those that were actually blocking the door to the kingdom of heaven. Those are the ones he had a problem with. And he told his disciples, uh, avoid the Pharisees. He said, he didn't tell. Now, Jesus, that's his business. He could go fix the Pharisees. And he would say, woe is you, you brood of vipers. Woe is you, you block the door to the kingdom of heaven. Woe is you, because you continue to pile weights upon people. And with one finger, you won't even help them lift the load of weight that they carry. Woe to, and Jesus said, now, that's my business. It's not yours. Think about that. Jesus said, it's my job to correct the religious ones. You avoid them. Hmm. This sermon just got real, didn't it? I know. I never preached it once. <laughs> and I know the weight that I have been carrying about preaching this message because I want to be a peacemaker. But I've also been a troublemaker. And I don't want to go back there. I don't want the darkness that I feel when I have a critical spirit within me. I don't want that junk. I, I have experienced it and I've experienced freedom and I choose to be free. Amen. Amen. I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter five. No, I already covered that. Blessed are the peacemakers. I want you to turn with me to Matthew chapter six. It'll be on the screen. Matthew chapter six, but I always want to give you an opportunity. I love to hear the sound of rustling Bible pages. If you have it on your phone, I love that too. And here's what Jesus says. Let me tell you something. I, I, this is another verse of scripture. I've been reading all my life and struggling with it. Thinking that I think I might kind of know what that means. And then Bruce and I are in my office and we're talking and we're discussing. And I'm like, I know what this verse of scripture. Out of the blue, this verse of scripture came to my mind. And here's, here it is. Jesus says, Jesus says, the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye is good, your whole body will be full of light. In other words, if I see the positive in things, I'm going to be more positive. If I can see the good in other things, then I am going to have that within me. But, verse 23, but if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in you is, is darkness, how great is that darkness? What is he saying? If you see something critical and everything you look at is because you're critical. If you can find a problem and everything you look at is because you got a problem. That, that what that verse means? I believe it does. I'm like, ah, oh, I get it now. How are you looking at things? If you look at something and the first thing you can see is what's wrong with it, 
Maybe you're here today, you're new to this church, you, you're just kind of giving it a visit. Maybe you're church shopping. And then when you walked up, you saw what you didn't like. Well, bless your heart. Bless your pee-picking little heart. We probably ain't going to change it. <laughs> just, I just, that's just the way it is. But I do know what it's like to do exactly that. To walk up and say, I don't like that. I don't like that. I don't like, I'm not sure I like them. I'm not sure I, I could find something wrong with everybody. Yeah. Do you hear me? Why? It's because I was under the influence. It's not that I was drunk. Let me tell you. <laughs> James, the book of James, chapter three. James chapter three, it says it this way. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct, active peace. Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness. Let me, let me help you understand this word meekness. Meekness is humility before men. Humility before people. See, Jesus starts off his Beatitudes in the Sermon on the Mount. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the poor in spirit. What was he saying? Blessed are those who are humble before God. And then he said, blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who are humble before men. If you have a critical spirit, if you are judgmental in nature, if you find fault in everything, let me just warn you right now. Humble yourself before God right now before Satan continues to use you as a tool of destruction. Because he will. And you say, well, you might be a little... You might be one of those fanatics that sees the demonic in everything. Let me just keep reading this verse of scripture. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your heart, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and what does it say? Demonic. You're under the influence. And under the influence, if your flesh is so primed towards negativity, just know that you are primed for the enemy to use you for his purposes and not God's. That's scary. Or as I like to say, that's scary. <laughs> that's scary. Because when my flesh is so in tune with being critical and judgmental and harsh and negative and hateful, that I am so in, inflamed in my flesh that one opportunity and something could fly out of my mouth that will bring destruction, division, distraction. That's not of God. So I need to humble myself before God and say, God, I don't want this anymore. He may have to say, well, we're going to have to remove you from those people. We may have to change your scene in order to fix your sight. And so he says, that is demonic. This, this self-seeking, this, this uh, bitter envy, this yuck. It's dark, ain't it? It's dark. And as I preached the last time on this piece, keep your peace. It's dark out there. It's dark out there. And so I need to make sure I'm not being conformed by the things of this world, being transformed. That's a, that's a passage in Romans. It says, I beg you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to the things of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Amen. 
We need to make sure he transforms our mind and not being conformed to the demonic is what it says. This junk that rises up from beneath for where airy where in the verse 16 for where envy and self-seeking exists confusion. Satan loves confusion, confusion and every evil thing are there. Here comes a big old butt. Amen. Verse 17. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure. Then what? Peaceable. Say that one more time. Then what? Peaceable. Peaceable. First, uh, I was going to name this sermon. Uh, not shaken, not stirred. How many James Bond fans are out there? Don't put your hand up. <laughs> Not shaken, not stirred. But then I decided to name it peaceable because shaken, not stirred refers to an alcoholic drink. So anyway, <laughs> but I'm not shaken. When the world is shaking, I'm not shaken. When the world is stirring, I'm not stirred. I'm peaceable and I'm peaceful because I'm at peace with God. Amen. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield Oh, that's hard, ain't it? That's hard. Willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits. What fruits? The fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, goodness, self-control. The fruit of the Spirit. That person who has godly wisdom is going to be fruitful, not fruity. (laughs) Without hypocrisy, without partiality. Verse 18, now the fruit of righteousness is sown in what? By those who make what? Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who are actively creating an environment of shalom. Let me help you understand shalom. When we say peace, we often think it's just the absence of conflict. When Jesus said peace, he thought of Shalom. That's how he said it. He said the word shalom. When you go to Israel, when they say we would say hi, they say shalom. They're saying peace. When you say bye, they say shalom, peace. They say hi and bye as saying peace to you, but it's not just the absence of conflict. Let me just tell you, peace means wholeness, wellness, fullness. It means nothing broken, nothing lacking. Shalom. Amen. That's what I want. I want his shalom. I want his nothing broken, nothing lacking shalom. And he says, peace is sown by those who have peace. I want that peace, God. And I want to be a creator of peace. Blessed are the peacemakers. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown by peace, sown in peace by those who make peace. And that's what I want to be. So as we go back to Mark chapter eight, we see Jesus said, "Uh, yeah, we're going to need to lead you out of the environment you're in so that we can create in you a new light. So you're seeing everything dark and you're seeing everything negative and, and you know, I, I'm not sure this is even, <laughs> I probably shouldn't say it. I already, I already started. It's too late. Sorry, start to, not sure how many fights you've been in, but, uh, when you're in the middle of a, <laughs> why am I even telling y'all this? When you're in the middle of a fight, anybody that comes up to you and touches you, you you immediately think that's your enemy. I was in a, we were in a ranch rodeo in Pointer, uh, the Pointer Rodeo one time. Our church had a rodeo team and 
and uh, we were in a ranch rodeo and and uh, I was always we were in the steer saddling uh, this was a different rodeo steer saddling and in the steer saddling I was always the tail guy so so you have a, a team of three and one guy's got the rope and the other guy grabs the head and the other grab, guy grabs the tail and so I was the tail guy and I'm holding on that steer's tail and next thing I know I got ropes coming all around me I'm like I'm going to get cut in half and I let go of the steer and sure enough one had wrapped around me and I'm getting drugged to the end of the arena I am in a fight so the first thing I do is I jump up and I grab the first thing I saw. I grab somebody else's steer. I held on their steer while they saddled their steer. That's what, that's what it's like when, when you are getting bombarded with a fight, that everything that touches you is a fight. It's not. It's not. If there might be chaos all around you and there might be uh, division all around you and conflict all around you, let the peace of God within you be more powerful than that junk. Amen. Amen. Man, I might get stirred up if I ain't careful. Jesus says, I'm going to need to take you out of that environment and bring something else into your life. And he says, well, I, I, I'm getting closer. I see things now. He says, you're going to need another touch. You're going to need another touch. Jesus says this in John chapter 14. This won't be on the screen. I just, uh, let me just take you here. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, because their understanding is just simply lack of conflict. But he said, I'm talking about shalom. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You have heard from me. To say to you, I am going away and coming back to you. If you love me, you'll be rejoiced because I said I'm going to the Father. My Father is greater than I. We'll hop over to chapter 16. He says, do you now believe indeed the hour is coming? Yes, now is come that I will that you will be scattered each to his own and will leave me alone. And yet I am not alone because the Father is in me. These things. What what is he telling them? I'm going to be killed and you're going to be persecuted. Oh, that's nice. This is going to be fun. Yeah, I'm going to be crucified and you're all going to be scattered and, and, and you'll be killed as well. Uh, one would be uh, skin alive. One would be hung upside down. One would be dropped in hot burning oil. One would be pulled apart. This was the fate of the men that he was talking to. He says, yeah, you're going to be scattered. Verse 33. These things I have spoken to you that in me you may have peace. Uh, I did have peace until you told me that. I was doing all right. Then you told me that. But remember, catch what he said. In me, you may have peace. Even though all of that is going on around you and even some junk might be rising up in you, your job is to get as close to me as you possibly can. As I said, we're going to make much of Jesus. We're going to draw near to Jesus because the nearness of my God is my good. In me, you will have peace. He says, these things I've spoken to you that in me, you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. Ain't that the truth? Ain't that the truth? If one of you is here today and you're trying to determine, am I going to live in the world or am I going to live in Christ? Am I going to give my life to Jesus today or am I going to continue to go the ways of the world? Can I just tell you this? In the world, you will have tribulation. 
You will. If I'm in the boat with Jesus, let it storm all around me. Let the waves get high and the wind blow strong, but I'm in the boat with Jesus. It's going to happen. In the world, you will have tribulation. But then he says this, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. Amen. I want to be in the boat with the overcomer. I want to be walking alongside with Jesus. But let me just give you a little word of warning as well. Uh, to be an overcomer, first you must be overcome. You need to allow him to overtake your life. To be a conqueror, you first must be conquered by Jesus. You need to allow him to be victorious over your life so that he can be victorious in your life. Amen. Amen. You need to submit your life to him. Surrender your life to Jesus. And the nearness of my God is my good. And the closer I get to Jesus, that stuff don't matter anymore. Somebody asked me something about what was going on in the news. I said, I don't even know what you're talking about. I don't even have a clue what you're talking about. I'll tell you what, I'm just trying to keep my peace. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to end with one verse of scripture and we'll be done. 2 Thessalonians, Paul is, Paul is speaking to the church in Thessalonica. And he's, he's pronouncing upon them a blessing. Do you understand a, a priestly blessing? In Numbers chapter 6, the priests were told, I want you to bless the people. And they would raise their hands over the people and they would say, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and give you what? Uh, peace. That's right. Shalom. Here's Paul's blessing over the church in Thessalonica. Now may the Lord of peace. Remember, Satan loves chaos. Satan loves conflict. Satan loves confusion. Satan loves to stir all of that up. But he is called the Lord of peace. And Jesus is known as the Prince of peace. Now may the Lord of peace himself give you peace. Amen? How often? Always. In what? In every way. The Lord be with you all. I'm going to pray this blessing over you now. May the Lord of peace himself give you peace always in every way. May the Lord be with you all. Let's pray. Father God, you are the God of peace. And in your presence is peace. And God, I want to be called a child of God. Oh, I, I am one. I just want the world to know it. And you've told us in your scriptures, oh, you be a peacemaker, they'll know it. You'll receive a new label. Oh, I used to have a label. I was a rowdy one. I was thrill seeker. I had all kinds of junk. I had labels. I did things. But Jesus says, I tell you what, it's time for a new label. Blessed are those who actively create an environment of shalom. For they will receive the label that is a child of God. Oh, we so love you. 
We just want to draw near and near and nearer to you. For in your presence, there is peace. And I want to spread your presence everywhere I go. I want to spread this kingdom of peace everywhere I go. The aroma of Jesus everywhere I go. Atmosphere of your presence everywhere I go. I thank you that it's here. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's stand together. We're going to worship the Lord with a song of prayer. It's a statement of prayer. It's a statement of surrender. If you're here today and you don't have peace with God because you don't know God, man, you came to the right place on the right day. <laughs> don't leave here without it. Our altar team's going to be at the front. You don't even have to know what to say. You just come forward and you just say, I need peace. The question is, do you know God? I, I don't know if I know God. Well, let's help you with that. Through Jesus Christ, you can know God. He says, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. Maybe you're here and you need God to, to touch an area of your life. Maybe it's a negative heart. Maybe it's a critical spirit. Maybe it's physical healing, emotional healing, financial healing, relational healing. Maybe it's a, a family healing. You got a conflict going on and you say, I need God to touch it. I want to tell you something. God uses his people. God, the church is meant to be interdependent. Yeah, you can stay in your seat and ask God to fix it. Or you can move and say, I want a move of God. I want God to touch this area of my life. And I promise you, he'll do it. If you trust him, put your faith in him. How can I make that promise? Because he said he would. He said he would and he's trustworthy. And I'm going to trust him.